Hi, everybody. Welcome to Books in the Biz. We are back again. Hi, Rich. How are you doing? I am good, Dan. How are you? I am doing wonderfully. Well, today is another extension of our five questions. We've pretty much been working down our list of, of the different questions you need to ask yourself if you're looking to sell your business or pass it on to somebody else. And I thought this would be a good topic to start talking about timelines. Because as we all know, people's timelines and actual timelines are two different things. I don't know your experience, Rich, but um, everybody that decides they want to sell seems to want to sell right now. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely understand that point, uh, that comment, because uh, I've seen it all the time. You know, you have a bad day and suddenly it's, well, I'm going to retire. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, what happens when they have several bad days? Let me tell you how much quicker they want to retire then. Cause that's, yep. I've heard that from a couple people, especially given, uh, the hiring situations that we're in right now. Uh, just the difficulty of finding good employees is really causing a lot of small to medium sized companies question whether or not this is something that's worth their time to continue on with. But um, as we both know, there's a lot of steps that go into making sure that you have a sellable business, and that time frame really does matter. Absolutely. Absolutely does. 100%. So when we're looking at time frames, um, you know, I'm not sure where you're at with things, but, um, you know, I guess we should talk about what's the risk to a company when they don't consider the time frame, when they really do just say, you know what? get me whatever for this. Um, that rarely happens because most of them have a number in their head. And to me, yeah. the shorter the time frame is, the more fictitious that number tends to be because there are a lot of things that aren't put into place. There's, there's really no yeah. structure is what I find. Um, most of these guys, they started the business or they bought the business at a very early stage. They've grown it and they've managed pretty much every component of that. And it's very difficult from that standpoint to then go, oh, here's the keys. I'm done. Somebody else take over because whoever comes in then has to basically rebuild that structure all over again. So from an operational side, the shorter that window is, the more discounted that business is going to be because the new owner knows they're going to have to put a lot of work into getting that business where it can run by itself. Right. Well, the financial fall is exactly that same scenario. Um, you know, when you shorten up that time frame and it's sort of not planned for, uh, you can expect that that suspected number or that anticipated, this is the number that I want, will start to drop. And then the other thing that will happen is once you start going through a process, even if you found a buyer, you know, one of the things that would actually happen is I think your timeline would actually get pushed out because, you'd be sitting there saying, well, I wanted this number. I didn't get it. And the reason you didn't get it was because you didn't plan for it. You know, I mean, let's, let's take it for, for real, right? Most people can get a number in their head based on what they think their business would be worth because they know their industry. Right. Okay. So they know a sort of idea of what their business should be worth. And I use the word should in bold, italic and <laughs> underlined. Okay. Um, the should becomes the problem because if you shorten that time frame and you don't plan for it, you won't get that number. You just you just can't. It's not physically possible. Well, from the operation side to that respect, um, I liken this to like selling your home. There's what you believe your home is worth, which is always more than what 
or most of the time. There is a few rational people out there, but most people, again, this is an emotional decision. So typically they look at it from a standpoint of, well, my house is better than everybody else's, so it's worth X. The realtor comes in and says, "Is well, really, here's fair market value compared to other comps in the area, it's worth Y. And then there's the buyer that comes in and says, well, I don't care what you guys think it's worth, this is what it's worth to me. And that's usually Z, which is the lower number of the three. And when I look at from the operations side, talking to the owners, I'm hearing pretty much the same thing. Well, my house is great because it's highly profitable. It's, you know, it's well run. It's well managed. Okay, let's let's now do some comps on the area. What happens when you leave? Well, I I don't know. I guess everything goes on like it should. Okay, tell me about the last time you went on vacation. What did you do? Did you take a vacation? Well, I checked in every day. Um, I got calls and I had to tell others what to do. Okay, what happens if you couldn't answer the phone? Well, then I came back to a mess. Well, then this, you got some leaky pipes. We need to, to get the plumber in here and fix some things. It's, it's that same kind of mentality that while everything might be running well in their world when they're there, it's when they're not that things fall apart, which often is also part of the reason why they want to sell in the first place, right? Because if everything was running like a fine-tuned watch, they wouldn't need to worry about if they were there or not. Imagine that if you were out on vacation every single day of the year, the business was running and sending you cash, you could probably raise your expectation of what you get (laughs) from selling it. Well, and and sometimes isn't that something you should look at? And we'll discuss, you know, what is it you want in future episodes. But in some ways, I look at some of these businesses, I'm like, why would you want to sell? If you could really get this thing running efficiently on its own and and build up the right leadership team, why not treat this as your residual pension fund? It yeah. can just keep printing cash for you if it's really running that well. Yeah. I, um, I had an example of that. I had a, a, a gentleman who owned a business that he had taken from his father and built it even bigger. Mm. And funny part was it was a very unique product. And the factory is right smack in the middle of Newark. <laughs> and the, the fact of the matter was it was just one of those businesses that was so profitable you had to ask the same question like why wouldn't you try to hang on to it you know like someone in the family should you know hang on to this because there's no way you're going to replicate that yeah it just you know it, you're, you're not going to move to a different business that day and say well now i'm going to do just as well well i think the uniqueness of the product it was a huge piece of their of their puzzle it's always nice when you can find those businesses that have that They've just got that small corner of the market and they're big enough that they do, they're quite profitable. They do well, but they're small enough that they're really not on anybody's radar. And I've seen a few of those where they have sold and and they're wonderful businesses because they, they just run like clockwork and, and they print money and really the new owners just kind of sit back and take it all in. But, you know, again, those are very few industries or, or businesses that you can get away with that. Right. Right. And, and in that case, he really was an absentee owner. I mean, well, I, I mean, from a sales standpoint, he was still very much involved, but I mean, the, the, the people there knew how to produce the product and he wasn't sitting there producing the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made a big difference in what he would be able to even think about doing. Um, you know, uh, but I think it does come back to that actual question though. And I think we've talked about this before, 
that, you know, how involved is the owner slash founder slash, you know, seller, you know, how involved are you? You know, you asked it, when was the last time you went on vacation? You know, because a buyer has to be able to replicate, at least replicate. They don't want to just replicate. They want to, you know, they want to move it forward. Right. You know, so how involved are you? Because that's going to be a massively uh, important question. Now, we should probably talk about, you know, when it when it comes to timeline, there's many different timelines we can work from. Uh, you know, there are a few turnkey businesses like we've talked about that you can just hand over the keys and everything's going to run just fine. Vast majority of companies aren't that. And then there's different gradations, if you will, of when should you start? And I'd be interested from a financial side, what is it you have to really look at to say, okay, this business is now ready to sell. And how far back do you have to, to work your timeline to say, okay, if you're going to sell today, you should have started X by however many years ago. What, what sort of things do you look at from a financial perspective that, that the owner would need to know? Um, well, I look at what I think or what I suspect the buyer or a potential buyer is going to ask me for. Mm. So if the buyer is going to come in and say, I want to see X, there's my list. And nine times out of 10, it's not two years of financials, it's probably three. It could possibly be four. Mm. Um, I would say depending on the size um, and depending on the circumstance. I mean, if you've only owned a business for a few years, I don't think they're going to go back to, well, let's look at the owner before you. Um, so if you've only owned it for three years, I don't suspect they would go to that fourth year. Right. But most of the time when people are asking me to get involved, we're looking at the last three years of financial statements. And so there would be my starting point. If you're really thinking about selling, I'd be prepared that they're going to ask you for three years. I'd want to be ahead of that three-year period. Mm -hmm. So I'd be thinking about it now if I want it to be three years from now, I want to be out. And on top of that, you might want it to be a little bit, uh, you might want to plan on it being a little bit more than that. Because a lot of times in a business where the owner is very much involved, mm -hmm. they may want you to stay on for a year or two afterwards. So it's not just these three years. It's, you know, I got a five-year advanced timeline. That's a good point because there are a lot of, when transfer of ownership happens, I almost always see some sort of contingency in there that the owner must stick around for at least 12 months, sometimes 24 uh, but usually that first 12 months after the, the transfer of sale, they're kind of there almost as a consultant to help with that transfer and make sure that goes as smoothly as possible. A lot of that is related to the sales side of things, maintaining the, the customer relationships, because that's usually the weakest link here is once the customers know the owner is gone, there's a lot of fear involved of whether or not the operation is going to maintain the same amount of, of quality that it did when the owner was there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I definitely have seen it. The other thing I would throw into there too is um, they just actually extended this, I believe. Um, but if your business is, say, in that $5 million range, you know, a lot of smaller potential buyers will use SBA financing, mm. which I think their limit is $5 million. But they also just changed the rules on that, on that financing that um, the owners used to only be allowed to stick around for 12 months 
SBA requirement used to be that the old owner had to be out in 12. Um, they've now extended it, I believe, to 24. Okay. That would so, make sense. So that would put you at that. That would give you kind of a number. It would also give you the addition to the timeline, which, you know, when I said two years, that's kind of what was in my brain. Other financial stuff that you need to be concerned about besides the, the general reporting of the, the financials, is there other things that you look for? Um, I don't think that there's a, I mean, the reporting is huge because the reporting gives you an idea what that valuation is. It gives you an idea what they're going to ask for. It also comes down to um, what the owner was paid during those times. Cause sometimes they have to look at adjustments. So your financials might be absolutely perfect, but there are things in there that the new owners will say, you know, we're just not going to do that. You know, or the owner of the business might have been taking a certain salary, but fair market value was more than that mm -hmm. to pay someone else. So, so you have to worry a little bit about what are the adjustments that the buyers are going to suggest or going to make negotiating points. So, um, I don't think that necessarily changes your time frame, except for the fact that if it's a negotiating point you know, you're going to have some back and forth. So if you thought you were going to sell it in 90 days, it might not be 90 days. It might be 120 days, Right. you know, because you're going to have to build in some more time uh, for that negotiation. Well, some of the stuff you were bringing up definitely changes the timeline for me when I look at a company. Um, as you point out, if the owner is very involved and they're pretty much, you know, that's their salary is their they're handling something that maybe three or four other people are going to have to handle on their absence. I really have to look at how long is it going to take a to hire B to train three to, you know, get to proficiency level where we know that they could run the show without the owner being there. And my rule of thumb tends to be about five years. So you were saying three with possible extension of, of two more. I'm looking at five years with a possible extension. If again, the, the uh, new owner wants to keep the old owner around for whatever reason. So it's really looking at, again, the degree of involvement that owner has determines the amount of time almost in years that it's going to take to transition that out uh, of their hands. Uh, the other things you also have to look for are, are what sort of operating procedures do they have in place? Do they have systems and processes lined up that are followed regularly and employees understand them or, and they're constantly updated by the team. Uh, we also have to look at, you know, are there any in industry certifications or qualifications that they need to keep up to date on or they need to add that's going to make them more attractive to the new buyer? There's all these different factors that have to be put into play. And if you're not ready to do that, that just takes more time. And it takes more involvement of the owner at a time when they want less involvement in the business. And then there's also the other factor, which is never accounted for, which is when that owner retires, what are they going to do with themselves? Because if they don't find a way to channel that energy, they're going to end up getting re-engaged in the business they're trying to get out of and undo everything that basically we're doing to get them to the point where they could sell the company. Now, from the standpoint of, of all this, what, you know, my first steps with this again, are, are kind of looking at how the business is run 
and talking with that owner and trying to figure out what things they're doing, what they're not, who's doing what, uh, how involved are other employees? Do they have a line of succession in leadership that can step up to the plate and, and backfill those positions? What power has been given to those people so far? Uh, do they have a, a way to let go and, and let those people do their jobs? Um, and then the other part of it is also, who do I have to hire? So once you start finding these gaps in the org structure, who else do you have to bring in? And how long is it going to take to do that? In a lot of these positions, especially when you're talking about middle to upper management, they're not readily available. You're going to have to go looking for them. You might have to go take them from a competitor or from another another resource to get those people in. Um, and we all know what a problem frontline workers are to get in the door. Well, now you, you're looking for somebody with maybe 15 to 20 years of experience. How easy is that person going to be to replace? So from my perspective, I'm always looking at that structure, the culture, the systems and processes that they have in place. And that's really where we start the work on, on determining timeline and what steps we need to take moving forward to get them ready to sell. How about you? I think that if someone was to come to me today and say, I'm really thinking about selling, I would take a look at the last three years of financial results. I'd start there and then I would compare to giving myself a very rough estimate mm -hmm. and get them to say, well, here's what I think it's worth. Here's what I would want for it. And let's see how far apart those two numbers are. Um, and then from that point, you can say, well, if that's the number you really want, then here's how we have to go about getting to there. And let's see in the last three years numbers, what numbers are they that would keep you from getting the number that you want? Um, and that way you can start to work on it. So then if it takes the next two or three years of here's your financial results, you're actually working towards a goal. Um, so that would be my starting point. Just let's look at if you were to sell it today, where would we wind up? Um, you may not like what you see. You may love what you see. You know, um, I couldn't tell you from the start, but by doing it that way, at least, you know, you're kind of giving yourself that if I have to make significant changes, I could get out of here in three years. I could be retired and onto whatever new venture or new retirement, whatever it is you're trying to get to, you know, you have some breathing room that you can, you know, make some changes and, and move forward and hopefully regain the ability to get the number you want. And the key to that's the investment. You have to be willing to make the investment to separate yourself from the business. That you know, that's where where we come in, and that's why we work well together. Because as we both pointed out, you probably are going to need more personnel than you have right now, because somebody's got to replace that owner, and of, often that is two or three positions, not one. So there's a cost to that, and depending upon how big the company is and the talent you need to try to attract in that cost can be pretty significant. So you really have to look at what are you willing to invest back in the business to get the number you want versus, you know, am I going to sell this house with a bad foundation and accept the dollars I get for it? And in most right. cases, the owners I talk with say, well, no, then you're going to have to put some money back into it, hoping that we can get a return on investment on that, on what you're putting in to increase that value significantly. 100%. You definitely have to be planning. And I think not just the dollars. I think I think you said it, but I think not just the dollars. It's the time. Yep. 
you know, give it that last push, you know, maybe you're tired and that's why you came up with the idea of, I want to retire now, or I want to get out. Um, but give it the time and give it its due so that you can get back to the number that you really were thinking you were going to get when you, you know, when you do decide to list it as for sale. Exactly. So what's your takeaway from all this, Rich, as we wrap up here? Start now, give yourself a three-year horizon. I think, you know, I had always said start early, start early, start early. Think about it, at least let it rattle around your head. Try to put something on paper. Um, but I think that at minimum, you know, count on it being a three-year time frame. You need to be able to look at that three-year time frame. And because that's what people are going to look for when they come in to examine your business and decide what it's worth. So take a look now, plan for three years, and and let's let's rock and roll. And while you say three years, I'm going to stick to my five. I think from an operation standpoint, the caveat is how well is the business running without you being there? And if the business is incapable of running without you, that's going to lengthen the time. We could get it down to three in many cases if there's there's some things in place, but the challenge always is how quickly can you step back and and still have everything working as it should. And that's a pretty hard thing to do. Well, Rich, this has been fun. We've got uh, a couple more questions we'll be answering in the next couple episodes, but really it comes down to folks, time is, when time is a factor, you need more time than less often. And you need to make sure that you're doing what you need to do to get that company ready to sell. So that's been it for Books in the Biz. How do they get a hold of you, Rich? Best way is by email with rveltry at veltrygroup.com. And you can get a hold of me at danpaulsonletsgo.com. You can watch more of these episodes. You can catch up on our future and our past ones if you go to booksandbiz.com. as B-O-O-K-S, the letter N, B-I-Z.com. And we will see you at the next episode. Talk to you later, Rich. Take care, Dan. <laughs>